My name is Amanda Van Annen. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Join me and my co-hosts Betsy Zane and Sophia Brad as we pierce beyond the beauty myth and get face to face with reality. Highs and lows of fashion to the challenges of motherhood, the traumas of life, heartbreak of relationships gone wrong, and how to find purpose and discover your true authentic self. Welcome to episode four. Today our guest on the show is Neha Soni, who is famously called the self-love expert. Neha is a self-love expert in Hong Kong who has over 12 years experience as a qualified relationship and intimacy coach, professional speaking coach, Hatha yoga instructor, and personal development enthusiast. Neha's techniques are known to help people attract long-lasting relationships and find their soulmates and life partners. Neha is quoted as saying, I transfer fear to freedom. Neha works to bring couples closer through mastery of intimacy. And for those of us that are single, she uses self-love techniques that help attract the perfect partner. Neha, welcome to Beauty and the Beat. I'm so excited to have you here today. And I'm sure both Sophia and Betsy cannot wait to shoot you some questions. But my first question for you is, could you talk to me about how you started on this journey to finding self-love? Great question. This journey started way back when I became a new mother. And it came to a point where I found myself frozen in my tracks, watching myself shouting at my toddler son and took me to a flashback to a time when I remembered when I was 11 years old, I had made a big major life decision to not be the kind of mother I grew up watching. So this journey is, that's where the 12-year journey of self-development started, personal development started. And the starting point was to become the mother I wanted to become for my son. And I was actually in a marriage that wasn't serving me. I did not choose my partner right. And the reason for that was because I was not fully aware of the consequences. Neither did I know myself well enough to stand up for myself. So as I was getting to know myself and meditating so that I can calm myself down, I was connecting with myself. And then that took me on a nine-year journey of trying to get out of my marriage and then starting life from scratch. And when I was going through the process of divorce, the dating happened, and then I realized, okay, how deeply I need to love myself, how deeply I need to connect with my own self in order to get to know what I truly want. Because I know, I knew back when the teenage hormones kicked in, I wanted a very deep, satisfying relationship. Obviously, now looking back was because I didn't have that security, the loving, beautiful security one finds in a secure relationship with their parents. So I, that was a major, a major thing missing in my childhood. And so the confidence 
was not there. The knowing myself was not there. So obviously, if I'm not confident, if I don't know myself, how is it that I can love myself? And if I cannot love myself, how is it that I can help? And how is it that I can love others, including my own son? So my journey to loving myself started then and then also so that I can become the mother and then try and manifest the partnership I really wanted and I desired so much. And so now I live that every single day because of doing the years of work of uh, the deeper work of Tantra, developing the self-love and the relationship with myself first. So now that I can help others do the same for themselves. That answer was really, really interesting because basically what I got from that answer is, you know, you went through this journey of discovering yourself and trying to love yourself. And through that process, you attracted true love. But one thing I caught from what you just told us there was these issues stem from childhood. Because you had got into a relationship that wasn't working. And all of a sudden, you realized childhood traumas or childhood patterns that kind of came back. But, you know, you, you were also able to realize that and realize you had to change, you see. So before we go into, I mean, because I have lots of questions for you, girl, because I've got to get myself a man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um. Before we go further into that, I would like to throw the questions out to Betsy and Sophia mm-hmm. and just see what, you know, see, you know, what they are, you know, what they are thinking right now about this whole self-love angle. I think maybe I just wanted to, you know, ask you and maybe, you know, elaborate more for, you know, our viewers about childhood traumas and experiences and, you know, why is it it's so important to recognize these, uh, you know, to move forward in our lives? I know you talked briefly about it, but, you know, is there any tips or advice you can give to why it is so important? Thank you, Betsy. Lovely question. And I think when we're growing up, we get love from our parents and we think that makes us believe somehow that our source of love is outside of us. And so if that is not provided in the right way, the love and security and the confidence in ourselves is not provided in the right way, we tend to then not believe in ourselves. We see that we are not worthy of love, obviously, because our parents are not loving us, which means that we're not worthy of love and that we have done something wrong or we're wrong. We're not right in all different senses, like if we commit a mistake, oh my goodness, how can you do that? I mean, we, there is, that level of deeper acceptance is not there. It's not coming from our parents. So obviously it's hard for us to accept ourselves if our parents are not showing that to us because obviously we do not know how to give that to ourselves. And also from this issue is deeper because Parents themselves do not understand this at a deeper level and they bring their own. No one is trained as a parent when they become a parent. And so they bring with themselves a lot of patterns that they have been brought up like they they have 
from their own childhood and they don't know better. If they knew better, they probably would do better like how I am trying to <laughs> do with my own son. So not knowing that and not having those tools and not having the awareness in order to see ourselves, oh, I as a parent need to be different. I as a person need to do different in order for me to see a different result. And I need to be comfortable with myself in order to pass that down to my own child and in order to reflect that in my circle, in my relationship, my present relationship with my partner, with my friends. So I need to have that deep confidence within myself so as not to impose my own beliefs and let my child be empowered by his own understanding and awareness. So I need to have that awareness myself first in order to bring that for my child and to see myself in a relationship, okay, I am in the wrong and I need to be better. That growth that comes from a secure relationship is very deep. And that awareness that come, it comes from very deep reflection of ourselves. That's very true. And yes, I, I can really relate to that because, you know, me as a, as a mother, being a mother myself, I have my own daughter. And, you know, I, I'm very aware and conscious about how I present myself to her and belief systems that I instill within her. So yeah, I totally you know agree and understand where you're coming from. Now, I really wanted to ask you one question, um, and that was, what was the first thing that you did once you realized the relationship issue came from your childhood? Like, how did you tackle that? How did you go about it um, in order to like make yourself better? The first thing that I thought was I needed major forgiveness and resolve my relationship with my mother first. That's what I thought. But later on, I realized that you there are some relationships that you really, really cannot make better. And that's at the deepest level that like right now, as I speak to you, it, it may hurt me in the core because that's a relationship I have to come to terms with that will just not resolve. Because especially if you have a narcissistic parent, it's the most damaging relationship that a person can have. And in order to come out of that a better person, you have to absolutely cut ties and just disconnect from that and it it hurts a lot to do something like this back then i didn't know and i thought that i can maybe through forgiving her first and then forgiving myself maybe i would be able to resolve this issue and then through this journey, this whole six-year journey of my living first on my own and then now more recently with a partner, I realized that that relationship cannot be and how damaging it is for me to expect something from a relationship that is absolutely empty. So I cannot give that. I have to become my own mother. That thing that I need to tell myself is I have to mother myself. 
that's the hardest thing a child can tell themselves, but there is no other way out. So that's how deep that goes. And then so I needed to not just, I needed to do this whole discovery and understand that I have to rebuild every bit of me myself. And this forgiveness that I think that I need to do outside, I need to do that inside for myself and tell myself that, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Every single thing that I was told about myself is not true. And then discover what my deeper truth about myself is. Yeah, Neha, I find that very interesting what you said, because later on in a few minutes, I'm going to be asking you about the process, you see, like, we're going to take a typical example of how would an individual go through this process to break down what I would call that past karma or those chains binding them and go on the journey of self-discovery and self-love. Because as you know, for a lot of us, um, parents and family are a big part of not only growing up, of your life forever. And as you mentioned, Neha, you know, there are parents that are toxic, 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 and or family, or it could be relatives, and they're toxic right into your adult life. And you just have this thing inside you that you feel, oh, no, but she's my aunt, she's my mother, she's my this. And But every time you deal with these people, they don't make you feel good about yourself. But you feel like you have an obligation because of social construct that I have to be nice. She's my mother. This is what they say. What are people going to say? And so in a minute, I'm going to be asking you about how people go to that through that process. But I was also very interested in when you were talking about the whole childhood trauma thing and the karma, because I heard a relationship expert the other day on, I was watching a show and she said about how people sometimes go and look for their wound mate rather than their soulmate. They look for somebody that will actually inflame those wounds even more because they've been used to being in so much pain since they were young that they feel like the pain is what they need in their life. And they will go relationship after relationship looking for someone that's going to hurt them. So could you talk to us a bit about that, about why do people do that? Yeah. This becomes like a pattern because we don't realize that we are creating this pattern from childhood a lot. And I was definitely attracting narcissistic people and not just not just in terms of relationship, but also in terms of uh, people I was working with. And it's hard to break away from if you are not aware about it. And then the the deep, extremely deep healing that we need to do for the damage that has occurred. The deeper that healing goes for us, the deeper that healing we do for ourselves through any means possible, through talking through to Ted, to like, I would say, because trauma is not something that stays in the head. I mean, the reason why we keep repeating those patterns is because trauma is not in the head, it's in our bodies. Trauma needs to be healed in the body 
And the reason why it's so hard to treat is because it's being treated at the mental level. You go to talk therapies and you're just talking over and over and over again. And then you're crying in those sessions, but you're not getting resolved. The trauma needs to be resolved at the body level. So breathwork definitely helps. So I can talk more about that later on. But the point is, the more, the deeper your healing is, the healing work is, the that's going to reflect in the type of people that start to show up in your circle. That's the number one thing. And the second thing is because you are aware about this, you want to protect yourself and become aware of, okay, what is it that I am attracting now? Like it's a continuous exercise that you are building your awareness and becoming, okay, conscious of what am I manifesting in my life right here, right now. So, okay, what's showing up now? What's showing up now? And becoming fully tuned in with yourself and your outside. The more tuned in you are, the better you will attract for yourself in terms of clients, in terms of relationships. That's what, that's why you work. And then that's how I think you clear your message for yourself and that's how deep it can go for you. And the more clarity you develop for yourself, the better you will see on the outside in terms of relationships that you manifest for yourself. Love relationships, people, friendships, bosses, uh, clients, co-workers, everything. Yes, an interesting point. I wanted to pick up on that because, you know, through all those experiences, they come with a lot of fear and anxiety. You know, like what advice could you give to our listeners to understand how to overcome these fears and anxiety? Because I think that's that for most people is the part that holds them back a lot from, you know, maybe, you know, looking deep within themselves or discovering themselves. Yeah, I do this, especially because I'm also very interested in leadership especially public speaking. So I do train in public speaking, but then there is this, the fear of public speaking is actually at the deepest level, it's the fear of rejection. So we fear rejection also, not just in a social situation, but also in our intimate relationships. When we're trying to go out on dates, we don't want to be rejected. There is this fear from which we're operating from. You know, so how do you go beyond that? The thing is, in order to go beyond that, we need to first understand what that is and where it is stemming from, okay? And in terms of, let's say, public speaking, you need to first build yourself an identity, let's say, of a speaker. How do you do that? I teach that as well. But how do you do that? You find out What is it that you want to become? So you could do this basically for anything. Like, what is this new identity you want to build for yourself? I did that. The first time I did that was when I wanted to become this new type of mother. I wanted to be a more loving, caring, compassionate because I didn't have, I had all of those things missing. So that's exactly what I want. So that had the clarity. And then building that particular identity and then taking action towards those. Yes, there will be fear. 
Yes, there will be fear of rejection. So now you have to see like, it's okay to have rejection. Now, this is the part where you work on yourself more. Like, what do you want more? What will you be able to tolerate? You know, rejection from others. Can you tolerate that? Can you tolerate rejection from yourself? That is so deep. Rejection from yourself is you rejecting yourself is like, of course, that's going to reflect in the world. You're going to reject yourself. The world is going to reject you. So do you want to do that? Yes, yes. Right? That's quite true. Yes, yes. And other part is the meditation because the more you meditate, so I have been practicing this meditation, like just tuning in more with myself. It came with, started along the, around the time when I started practicing yoga and got a teaching certification. But I was practicing meditation and meditation really doesn't. I mean, you can search for all the answers in the world on Google and you will not get the answers that meditation is going to give you. Meditation is going to tell you the truth about you that nothing else can. So you have to sit and get to know that truth. And when you know that about yourself, that's when it exposes you to become a little less fearless. And then it also trains you with your breath. Meditation is tuning, like you're training your breath, you're training your mind. And so you're looking at those fears from a distance. When you are in a mess, the meditation bit helps you to distance yourself from that mess in order for you to look at it and just watch it for what it is. And then when you watch it from a distance, you get to resolve it. You may get to look at it from a different point of view. So you go, oh, this is just a thought. And this is, where is this coming from? Oh, my mother told me, blah, 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 blah. Or someone somewhere told me who obviously did not have the right interest in their, for me, in their minds. So they will tell me anything that they want, which is working to their advantage. But is it working to mine? No. So what can I do? Just drop it. And then, but what is it that I can now choose to believe? I choose to believe in that is not the truth. So what is my truth? The truth of me is I know better. Yes, yes. It's true. You know, meditation is very much, you know, a part of all of our daily practices. But, you know, I do find that, you know, sometimes in talking to some a few people that they find that to be able to meditate, they, they find it difficult. They, they're not able to tune in. They, they, can't, they don't understand it, you know, so... It works for some, but I guess that there are people yet to be able to understand and experience it. So Neha, what I wanted to ask you is, this is for our audience, how do I go along the process? If someone's listening to you now, that's in a situation where they're stuck, could you give us a step-by-step process they should take in order to, how would they go step-by-step in order to get out of that relationship, find healing, love themselves. You know, we've mentioned meditation. We've mentioned, um, you've mentioned a bit about breathing. You've talked a bit about Tantra. But if I was here today somewhere just sitting thinking my life is screwed. I'm in the wrong relationship. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. Give me a step-by-step process you would use to help get yourself to the place you need to be. Okay. If you can do this yourself, great. If not, hire someone who has been there, done that. And the first step is is understanding where are you stuck? 
okay? Clearly looking at yourself and where am I stuck? How is that serving me is one of the most important questions you can ask in any relationship. And if the answer to that is a big resonating, like if it's not serving, if that, that situation is not serving you, believe it that it's not serving anyone an example of that is I was in a relationship. I had a child despite I wanting my wanting to get out of that relationship years ago, even before I got pregnant, let's say, with my son. So I am in this relationship and it took me nine years to get out of something like this. And I get pressure from all both sides of the families. All right. And obviously someone is not taking any responsibility for it. I am living with my in-laws. Wow. And then everyone, nobody, divorce does not exist in people's dictionaries, the people who I'm li- living around. So, so the, and so obviously these people have only their own interests, which is the happiness, the so-called togetherness. But then how is that serving me? It is not serving me and it is not serving my child at all. So it's my child's life at stake and it is my happiness at stake. If I am not happy, how will my, my child be happy? So my happiness, making your happiness a priority is the number one thing. Start with that. So then you define what your happiness means to you, what what happiness is. And so when you get clarity on that definition, okay, so what happened for me was I had people who were giving me I I just connected with someone who was like a spiritual sister to me, and she gave me books on Osho. And this person is radical. Like, you know, he teaches meditation and there is all kind of conspiracy theories, with, uh, like with when you bring up his name. But there is wisdom, which I will take from this person called Osho. There's also Deepak Chopra, who teaches meditation, which is wonderful. So I got help from people around me when I stepped into, like, I really want to do something about this. And then I wanted to take steps of getting out of my marriage. And then this person happened to come into my life. And when I read Osho, I was really, really, really empowered to, that was like my last year in my marriage. And then I stepped out. I dared to take up a job and then say, okay, I am going to live on my own, start life from scratch. It's the scariest thing you're ever going to do. Loving yourself is the scariest thing you are ever going to do it's nothing is going to make sense every single person you may know the closest people to you are going to leave you it's going to be the scariest thing and nobody teaches you this nobody teaches you growing up your school your education system doesn't teach you how to love yourself so you have to take the step towards loving yourself and unless you are happy you cannot do that so you have to get your cup full in order for you to serve others. Get out of that situation, get away and find yourself quiet. This is where the meditation comes in. The reason you, you don't practice the meditation just for practicing meditation. The reason why you want to do that is because you want to become comfortable with sitting with silence. That's the difficult part. Sitting with silence is the difficult part. Because you want to distract yourself as much as possible with food, with drinks, with going out with friends, your phone buzzing the whole time. 
you have plenty of distractions, but if something very important is at stake, your life is at stake, you want to prioritize that, you have to take the steps to empower yourself. If you can do this yourself, if you're not as damaged as I was, you may be able to pull yourself out from the situation. If not, hire a coach who can do that, help you with those steps. The next step is to find what is important for you. Something that I practice like kind of unconsciously is like doing a passion test. The passion test and Ikigai are kind of similar. Ikigai, uh, there is a TED Talk that explains that uh, much better than the chart. Ikigai is your finding your purpose. What is your purpose? And it's like an, a never ending because you are evolving. So initially, my purpose was to become a better mother. Then my purpose is to love myself. Then my purpose evolves. I want to become better. I want to become a coach. I want to become a leader. I want to then have a relationship. So it's like as I am evolving in my journey and sitting with myself and doing all the healing work that I can by going through therapies, by practicing yoga, because actually yoga, some certain positions in yoga actually help you to release trauma, trauma, a lot of trauma. We women especially store a lot of trauma in our womb. We store a lot of trauma in our in our heart, in our chests, in our breasts. So we do have a lot of diseases that come in those areas of our our bodies. And our chakras govern organs, let's say. So any chakra has a stuck energy. Stuck energy means stuck emotion. If that is not released, you will manifest a physical disease in that. So you're going to have to sit with yourself, understand where you are stuck, where it is stuck, and do whatever it is that you can to release that. It's a process. You have to stick with the process. It's like, you know, the I, I like to bring the analogy of butterflies. Of a, of a caterpillar and then it going into a cocoon, a bit becoming a cocoon. And then what's happening inside the cocoon is the caterpillar is completely destroyed. That's exactly what it is going to feel like. Your whole world is going to fall apart. But because you cannot see it, because you're in that mess, you cannot see it. The meditation definitely helps you to distance and you and just have the courage to sit with yourself through this process. A coach is definitely going to help you do sit with that, sit with you through and walk you through that process. So that's somebody like me. I help my clients do that. And they can help you assure that you are going to become, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is going to be the butterfly, the beautiful butterfly that you were always meant to be. You know you're going to have to believe that at the deepest levels. For me, how I did that for, let's say, to manifest a relationship, I bought myself a, uh, I, I was, I just had ended a very short relationship uh, when I was, this is when I had moved out of my relationship, my, my marriage, and then I was back in the dating game, find, found someone, and then I was the, like nine months into that relationship, and then it ended. It happened for a reason, but it broke me. And in order to get feel better, I just hung out with a friend and then we just went shopping. And so I ended up 
I just tried some outfit and that happened to be a white lace outfit and it was beautiful. I said, I have to get this. I feel like a beautiful bride in this. I am, I don't care about like when I get married, but I am getting this because this makes me feel so beautiful, like that bride that I see myself to be. That's how much you have to deeply believe in yourself. That belief in yourself is the thing that is going to take you through that storm, that breaking down in that cocoon. And you have to have that inside of you. You have to have that inside of you. And meditation is just help you with that. Goodness. That was the action packed. Yeah. That was that was so really, really was. Uh, Neha, you talk about um, you know going through your own journey, and you know as individuals, how we come to a place where you know self realization and self healing and so forth. And then we we've read about you, and we know that you're in a balanced and healthy relationship. So you know how can people within a relationship get to a place where they are both on the same page? Because yes, we, you know, we've talked about self, but how do we both come together and we're both on the same page? It's like the foundation of your relationship. I guess that's the first thing I would talk about. What is the foundation of your relationship? Why the two of you are together is do you have a vision for yourself individually as a wife, as a husband, as a boyfriend, as a girlfriend? Do you have a vision for yourself? And secondly, do you have a vision for each other? If you have like a common vision for yourselves and your life together, you may be walking your separate paths, but you are in tune with each other, so much in tune with each other. That's like, then you can see that there is this, you're existing kind of like at a soul level and that kind of a relationship is very beautiful. However, you are only going to meet someone at the depth at which you have met yourself. Very so, true. And I noticed this when I, because if you are someone that is practicing meditation or any kind of self-awareness, whether you know it or not, you are creating ripple effects in the people around you and so you doing your work with yourself is is key because that's definitely going to show up in your life i mean oftentimes we're projecting onto our partners what our vision for ourselves is or like you know we just we just coming with our limited mind and then when we do that we just see things in a certain way like it's our vision is so limited so then how is it that we can manifest bigger and see in our partners something better and bigger if we can't see that in ourselves? And relationships are there for reflection, like mirror, relationships are mirrors and relationships reflect parts of us that we may not know. That's the shadow work. It's huge. It's beautiful. It's deep. It's crazy. So, and, and also like, not sure if you want me to bring up Tantra, but de- definitely Tantra does help for a couple to tune better in with each other. Of course, there are people I know who just, okay, sex is just, is just at the level of the body and we're having sex and that's okay. But then is there more, whether or not a, a woman is getting that deeper, I guess, satisfaction at at the emotional level that we're looking for uh, in a relationship 
whether that's going to happen or not. Yeah. That's something we can happen when you tune into your own emotions, when you tune in to yourself and bring that presence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to your relationship. Yes. So, and and Tantra definitely helps to do that bit. So Tantra goes way beyond sex. People may think it's about sex, but sex is just a tiny element of it. When you bring in that, your relationship goes to another level. So interesting. It's a lot of really, really interesting stuff. One of the things I realized from what you're explaining is the meditation or the meditative practice also helps people to get away from their current circumstances. So then instead of them dwelling in what's happening around them, they're trying to center themselves to find something deeper and not being taken away by the moment. Yeah. And you see what I mean? So I find like a lot of it has to do with a lot of practices that help one focus more on what's on the inner rather than what's on the outer Mm -hmm. because the inner is what's going to change the outer because Mm -hmm. I personally believe in the law of cause and effect and also the law of the universe, which means everything that's coming on the inside, you reflect, you're a reflection, like what she said, you're like a mirror. So everything that's happening on the inside, it might not look in the beginning like it's going to change, but the law of cause and effect it has to change. Yes, yes. So when you first start meditating, you might feel like, oh, it's not working. This is not going to happen. This, But because of the law of the universe, mm-hmm. as within, so without, outside will start to, to, you'll start to manifest the outer as well, yeah. which is really, really, really important for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But one quote I read, you know, like there's a quote you have, Neha, and you say, I transfer fear to freedom. I found that very powerful because I think what stops most of us, and I want to talk about this, is fear. Fear will eat you out. It will stop you from living your dream of life. It will stop you from getting to the places you are supposed to be in life. And it's a big issue because fear comes with anxiety. People feel nervous. They're like afraid and procrastination, obviously, because you know, and also, you know, you start thinking of things that are going to happen that probably will never happen, but you build these things. And I know we've talked about this, but it's a major thing. I mean, I've been through moments in my life where I've been so in fear that even though I was doing meditative practice or spiritual practice, I could hardly even think straight as I was doing it. I was forcing myself to do it, but I was like, my brain was still... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, because, you know, the fear, like you're building up this. And, you know, so I really want to know if you have one technique that people can use to detach from fear, just mm-hmm. even if it's for five minutes when you're going through a trauma. And I know you may say breath, but at the time when I was going through a fearful situation, trust me, I couldn't even breathe. I'll do three breaths and my brain will be running. Amanda, I can totally relate with that. I can totally relate with where you're coming from. Uh, I would say it is a process. And yes, we have to stick with the process. A lot of the times people try and the procrastination, everything is like trying to go around it instead of, you know, walk that path. Yes, I know it is hard. 
And that is where you need to show yourself more compassion. And the biggest change that happened for me, I will speak about storytelling now because the biggest change that happened for me, I was at a Toastmaster platform, but I did not get and. And I was practicing meditation. So yeah, there goes, right? Like, you know, okay, so this person is practicing meditation. How come Toastmaster didn't do anything for her? Well, I was doing making lesser ums and ahs. But then when I had to come out and speak every single time I was leading that club as a president, you know, I was on Toastmaster for two years, one year as a president. Every single time you have to open and uh, open the meeting and start. So you were doing that 26 times a year. And I did not feel right. It just did not feel right. I wanted to finish my sentence and get off that stage, get run back to my seat as a leader of the club. So how is it that I'm going to invite others if I cannot do that for myself? And then I quit Toastmasters. And then I got into storytelling where it was the most revelationary things ever for me like that thing changed my entire game my entire life and this is how I want to bring to your attention how meditation also works it's like story how similar storytelling is to meditation when you write your story okay your story is not important when you, after you have come out through the process of telling the story or, or like bringing your story outside of you, it's like, you know, it's like, bleh, I spell everything out on paper and I look at it. It's like meditation and I'm looking at it and then I bring it around and make a, make a message out of my mess. When I am able to do that, it's this process of biggest discovery about ourselves. So for me, the craziest thing was I, I never felt safe in my entire life. And I live in Hong Kong. It's even beside whatever protests or whatever has been going on over here for a while now, I did not realize that I am in the safest place in the world, even though I've been living here for 20 years almost. And then when I, after I finished, like, you know, the, came out of the process of storytelling, I realized, oh my goodness, I am away from that terrifying, like, past of mine, that insecure, that crazy, scary past of mine, that crazy, scary childhood that I lived. And I am in the safest place in the world, Hong Kong. It hit me like a ton of bricks, the storytelling when I did that. So please, if you can do the storytelling, it's going to be magical for you. Lisa Nichols is one of the most beautiful person you can follow. She takes you through the process of bringing the story out of you. So you can do that with uh, watching her video. She's amazing. She's beautiful. And then storytelling is one of the things that you can try because when you are able to tell your story, you are Okay, and here's the here's the similarity. Are you, if you are aware about states of mind, adults are in beta, and beta uh, there is beta underneath that there is alpha, and there is theta, and then there is delta. Twice a day we enter alpha state of mind, which is like the creative state, the more like mellow thoughts. Like you're just 
sort of daydreaming, but not really. And then you enter that when you are about to sleep and when you are coming out of sleep. So those are the two of the best times to meditate. And then you feel cranky when you don't have the deeper state of sleep, right? So it's uh, like the delta, the theta is the the, the dream state, the, the rapid eye movement, and delta is the deeper state of brainwave, which is when you miss out, you're cranky. And you, when you wake up, you're cranky is because you have missed out on that. So that's it. And then you have the least amount of thoughts, the deeper that you go. And adults are, that's why children are a lot in, like they're absorbed, they're able to absorb information much easier because they're on those deeper levels of state. That's the subconscious. That's the subconscious. And then, so you are accessing the subconscious when you're in alpha. That's the gateway to your subconscious. And you're operating those, those fears are operating at the deeper levels, like your subconscious level. So you need to access that at a different state. You can't access that from beta, which is the fear. Okay. So the beta, you, you want to get out of beta, like too many thoughts, like 60 thoughts or 80 thoughts per minute. You want to slow down with your breathing and then you want to get into alpha. And that's how the meditation is, is slower. So when you are into storytelling, this is the similarity over here. You slow down. When you slowing down and you're telling your story, and you're doing your story, like how I may be telling you my story of how I was living in that state of fear. Right now, while I'm speaking to you, I'm getting goosebumps. So you may, you know, something like that. The more I br- I'm present in my body, the more I am able to bring that in the other person. So if I have to do this, I have to be in a different state of mind. I can't be in beta. I have to fall into my body level and connect from that and connect at the story level. That's why the storytelling is powerful. That's where you will be able to empower others and influence your own subconscious. That's where you will be able to see. So beta is where you are full of state of, in like uh, judging and analyzing and full of fear. In order to get out of that, you go into alpha, which is where you have creative new thoughts and lesser judgment. When you are telling people stories, people are like, yay, let's listen to a story. Yay. And no one is judging you. Yes. Powerful. Yes. Makes a lot of sense. Really makes yep. a lot of sense. I really hit home. I was seeing yeah, yeah. Really. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You, you know, really powerful words there. And I think, you know, I hope our listeners has, you know, taken in and, and heard what Naya has to say because, uh, you know, she is speaking her truth and she is telling her story. And, uh, I think that we can all resonate with that and, uh, and connect. So, yeah, thank you. You know, one thing I noticed when you were talking about the fear thing and everything is that fear is probably a social construct, right? It's a social construct of either being afraid of what people are going to think about you, what people are going to say about you, or what might happen in your life or something that you are kind of thinking may go wrong. And so when I think of all those things, none of them are actually true because they're all things you are just thinking about. So One other thing is I want to read a little excerpt from The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. And Neha, I found that on your Facebook page, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's a part that says, what it means spiritually is not to practice in this 
struggle. It means the events that happen in the moment belong to the moment. They don't belong to you. They have nothing to do with you. You must stop defining yourself in relationship to them and just let them go. Oh, yes. Crystallize your vision, boost your confidence, and help you find connection. You know, that's, you know, so I'm just, when I when you know, read that, mm-hmm. it's just like everything, like you're saying, it's about even when things are happening in the moment, it's about that disconnecting from the moment mm-hmm. and going into your inner self and asking the answers from your inner self yes. and trying to get those answers rather than letting the environment around you determine mm-hmm. the results. That's true. Mm-hmm. How did you actually manifest your perfect partner? Like what were the main criterias or what were the main things that you wanted and how did you manifest them? The first thing you have to like these days, back then when I was, you know, actively dating, I thought, and then I was failing miserably, of course, I thought something was wrong with me. So that's I think, something. I think we all do. Yeah. <laughs> we all do. So there is there is two aspects to that. Okay. There is firstly to be able to see for ourselves that okay, if we think that something is wrong with us, what is it that we can do to fix that? In order for us to just in order for us to manifest what we want, right? So and getting clarity on what we want. So I have this uh, beautiful exercise that I okay. Now, I used to follow, I read a lot of uh, books of Deepak Chopra. And oh my goodness, that man has like the sexiest brains. For me, that is, (laughs) yeah. So for me, like from a partner in a love relationship, what is it that I want? I want someone, I want that. I don't want just like connecting at the base. For me, I want mental stimulation if i am not able to talk to a person and bounce ideas off a person because i'm such an ideas person then what's the point like i can't even so for every person i was meeting was like so boring like as if so then like then i know okay this is not the type of person i want so what is it that i want okay and then i have this beautiful exercise if you're interested in i call this the build your lover avatar or build your avatar so yes i know deepak chopra why deepak chopra is because he has a beautiful sexy brain that's the kind of person i definitely want that's a character I definitely so it's getting specificity on what you want to manifest okay and then spider-man like he's absolutely goofy in real life but uh, he is <laughs> but when he is you know, flying around from building to building. Oh my goodness, I want to be his girlfriend. So he's fictitious, but oh, I love that. I love that being that upside down and flying around. And I like that the roller coaster that my life has been. <laughs> I love enjoying roller coasters. So I know I would enjoy that type of a life with uh, my partner. And I can show you something <laughs> that my partner actually is because he, he is that for sure. And then there is Keanu Reeves. Okay, why Keanu Reeves? This person is not only an amazing actor, but he is also a beautiful human being. And that's the type of person 
So getting more and more clarity and specificity uh, in the type of person you want is going to help you also. So you, you're saying that to put these images together of like what you exactly want in like such a visual form that you would possibly pick like a character that you know that has these traits and then just mold them into one person basically. I guess, yes. I guess, yes. And then it's like you're building your avatar. Like, okay, if so it's, um, the specificity of Sophia is what is important. And if, if it's Deepak Chopra, then why Deepak Chopra? If it is Spider-Man, then why Spider-Man? I mean, you can create your own. For me, it is this. For me, it can be Jordan Peterson because I love every single thing that man says. He's amazing. He's beautiful, you know. And he has a background in psychology. My my boyfriend has a background in psychology. I If I go back to studying, that's the first thing I'm going to go back to. I love, love, love that. Yes, so getting specificity is is the key over here. Uh, specific characters and what you're going to enjoy having in a partner. The second thing is having a vision for yourself. You know, okay, if you want a partner, why do you want a partner? Like, is it just for like, I want a partner because it's just for, then then it becomes like just for you. So then you're beginning, and this is the selfish versus the selfless part that comes into play, especially in Tantra. What is it that you want to manifest and why? You know, you want, if you, you have a vision for yourself and if you want a partner, what is your vision? What are you going to bring to your relationship? That's important as well. And then what is it that, and again, this is a deeper part of you. If you have explored that in yourself, it's easier for you to bring that in another person. So you have to have, to have the ability as a woman to invite in man and become comfortable with being vulnerable because your vulnerability is to your success it is to your advantage and i don't mean being a drama queen i mean knowing really your shit knowing what you want and why you want it you have to have so much clarity and to be able to invite that in a man you have to learn that and you have to become vulnerable you know and men, I'm telling you this, ladies, every single lady listening to this, men are dying to be your heroes. So what role do they have in your life? If you do not have a role for a man in your life, then make room for a man in your life. What a man can do? If you're paying your bills, you're, you're living your life, what role does a man have in your life? My boyfriend now was was playing my friend's role back before we knew each other. So we knew each other about two years before we, like for, as friends before we got together. And then he was helping me move heavy stuff. God, when I was living alone, I need, I mean, this was one reason why I needed a man to move heavy things. My goodness, it tires me. It tire, it's tiring to carry, carry heavy stuff. Let them do everything. So then I invited him. I said, please help me move my, my, my bed and my stuff around. And then he came in. I said, okay, let me just treat you for dinner. And then we went down and I treated him to dinner. So yes, 
moving things around. What is, what's the purpose? You're the man. So the man needs to feel like a man around you in order for them to, you know, be more around you. So how are you allowing that? And this is a woman's audience. I'm going to really spell it out and make it graphic. Tantra is going to give you that answer. You have to become so familiar with what your what you want as a woman. And Tantra is going to help you explore that space. Tantra is going to ask for you to get familiar with your own bodies. Tantra is one way that helps you to heal because it is at the body level. It's at the physical level. The orgasms are healing. And that's what you want. And for you to practice this with a partner, you're going to have to practice this with yourself. That's what they teach you. So it's yoga. Yoga, you don't practice with others. You practice it with yourself. Tantra is, again, you are encouraged to know what kind of touch you like. So if you know what you want, that's sexy. That's the sexiest thing to a man. You knowing what you want for yourself is the sexiest thing to a man and the most inviting thing. To a man. The second thing is what they what what role do they have in your life? And you telling them, I am scared. Using these three words can be magical. With the right man, this can be magical. I am scared. And then sharing what you are scared for. And it's not like you did this or you did this, and men are like this, and blah blah blah. No, no, no. Don't don't cry your crying story. Just share about yourself because I am scared to live the rest of my life all alone. It is scary. I, I feel I need a partner to share the best of my life. I am an for me personally, I am an amazing cook. I love cooking. I love hosting. I love to share those meals with you. I love to share beautiful moments with you. I love going on walks. I love going on beaches. And I want to go with you, hold hands and hold hands with you for the rest of my life. I see you as a partner who can do that. Being daring enough to be able to invite that in a man. Like, you know, you're just, this is the feminine energy in you. That there is feminine and masculine energies in us. So this is the rising of the feminine in you so that invite you can invite the masculine. You know, you understand mm-hmm. I'm getting graphic over here. Yeah. Your yes. vagina's talking, really. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You gotta know that. You gotta know but that. Now, when, you're saying, when you're saying. Yeah. Yes. So when, when you're saying that um, you should tell uh, them that you're scared, like how do you exactly mean that? Or like do you mean like to tell ourselves that what we're scared of? Or like how does that work in terms of men? Like when you say that, um, to say I'm scared. You, okay, men, as, as men who, like the right men, of course, we're not talk, we're talking about men. We're not talking about boys. Boys are not grown up. They're like, 16-year-olds, 30, 40-year-olds, okay? We are not talking about boys. We're talking about men who really are looking at, like, having a relationship. If they're serious, then you can, if when you feel right, you share with them your own feelings. And you invite them first, not just in your bedroom. You invite them to be a friend, 
You invite them to spend some time together and get to know you. Someone who needs to have patience to be with you. It's not for everyone. Sorry, it's not an invitation for everyone. There's a there's a place for one person I have with whom I'm going to share my heart, my 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 life, my home, my bed, my body, my everything. So it's not an invitation for the whole world. We're not connecting with everyone. We're going to connect with a few. For that, we're going to have to raise our vibration. We're going to have to tune in with ourselves. And from that place, know what is it that we want. And get clear on our message. And share that whatever it is that we are scared about. And sharing, like, I am scared of living the rest of my life all by myself. And it's not like, this is what other, so bring, this is where it's like a turn off for a man when you're sharing about every other man I've met. Like, we don't go in, we don't complain. We don't complain about our past experiences. We're going to have to track back and just come from within. Having made things with that past and just say, this is what I have to share. It's like writing it on a piece of paper. It's like writing a love letter. A love letter to, let's say, yourself or anyone. What is it that I want? What is it that I'm looking for? So you being specific on, I want this. And that is sexy. That is beautiful. And sharing that and sharing from that energy is inviting in men for stepping into your life as the the hero that he wants to be. I really liked, um, Neha, how you consolidated all of that because one thing I got from that, which you were telling a lot of women now out there, is that, you know, women, we've got to the stage where we're all very independent and self-sufficient. And what I could see you were saying there is allow yourself to be feminine, allow the divine feminine to flow through you. And I am scared in a way is almost like, I get it. You know, it's almost like, protect me. You're the guy, you know, like I am being vulnerable towards you. And I find like, I've always said it that, you know, men these days feel emasculated because this, the, you know, women have high level jobs, they're doing this, they're doing that. And a man comes into your life and sometimes they feel useless because they feel like there's nothing I can do. This girl has this, she has that, she's... And sometimes it's not like they don't want you to have a career or something like that. It's that you still have to be feminine because it's all energy. So the energy doesn't match. Because I noticed this, like, you know, sometimes if you're too brash with men, basically that's masculine energy to them. So they can become combative or defensive because you're, you're giving off masculine energy. And that's why, you know, the joke amongst a lot of girls is they always say all the girls that cry for help, the guys always seem to feel sorry for them because, but it's because they're always showing their feminine and the guys are always wanting to help by showing their masculine. They'll be like, Oh no, she can't do that herself. You know, she can't do this. And you're like thinking, yes, she can. So I like what you said there because I feel like I got two things. One of the things is I know a lot of single women that don't go out and they're waiting for Mr. Wright to come and knock their door. <laughs> they come That's, not gonna <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And number two is when you do meet Mr. Wright, or you know, you have to maybe tune into the 
feminine a bit more because sometimes we're so used to being out by ourselves. Like the guy will say something like, oh, do you mind if I, you know, I've been, I'm one that I've been on dates and this is bad. You know, I get home with a guy, he's, you know, he's got his fancy car, whatever. And before you know it, he's coming out of the car. I don't even wait for him to come around the to open for me. I'm already out of the door, <laughs> you know, and I can see sometimes men get shocked by that because they want to come around, open your door. But, you know, modern independent women, you know, you, the guy parks the car, you just open the door yourself and you're out. But even that, you know, I've started to learn now, like even when I get the urge, my hand is already on the handle and I sit back down and wait like a princess for that guy to go around and open that door. And it's not because I think he should do it or I should do it. I feel like it makes him feel more masculine and want to protect. That's right. He's doing something He's for doing you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So yeah. I think Shari. that was a very, very good insight. <laughs> very. You know, and because I feel like that's where a lot of women today are finding it difficult because we're also self-sufficient. I mean, I think you're right, Amanda, this whole movement of, you know, becoming this independent woman and, you know, doing everything for ourselves and, you know, having the best, the, you know, high powered job has, has definitely worked against us, you know, in, in modern day life. So yeah, it's a, yeah, very valid point, you know. And I know I'm personally guilty for that because yes. I'm the type that, you know, I mean, I've had boyfriends that do not know how to change a socket on the end of a plug. And I'm like, give it to me. I'll, <laughs> I'll change the socket and I'll open it. Yes. And, you know, you can see him looking. <laughs> and, and, you know, I get angry and I'm looking at them thinking, are you stupid? But, you know, one thing I've learned, like, and this is to all girls out there, if you can change a light bulb, pretend like you can't. And even if he doesn't know how to do it, let him figure it out. Yeah, I think, yeah, I just, you know, I'm so guilty of this. I think, you know, being, I'm divorced, you know, now eight years. So obviously, you know, I've learned to do everything from myself, from building, you know, a unit to, like you say, changing a light bulb, et cetera. But you're right. It's about, you know, understanding that, like what you were saying before, being a bit vulnerable and, you know, and allowing. And I think I've become so headstrong in that sense. No, I can do it. I'm capable of doing it myself, you know, and I've forgotten that, you have to, like you said, give place to a man to allow him. And, you know, I'm going to have to, to remember that because it's something that now, you know, like I said, having these eight years by myself that I've, I've completely forgotten. Awesome, yeah, it's all very, 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 very interesting. But before, you know, like this has been a really, really interesting discussion on this particular episode. But, you know, Naya, before we you know, wrap up, where can people find you on the net if they want to contact you? My website is being is on is being built right now as we speak. It's not available. It's going to launch hopefully at the end of this this month. It's called www.nehasoni.com. That's my name. That's my website. People can reach out to me on email because that's something I can definitely access. Contact. Contact at nehasani.com i am on instagram as at sell the self-love expert and then there is self-love expert love and expert go there is only single e between them so there's the self-love expert single e between the love and the expert and on facebook you can find coach neha with this face brilliant 
And uh, Neha, there's um, there's one last thing I wanted you to tell our audience is that you're you're writing a book. Yes, I am. I didn't have this planned at all. It's like an unplanned baby. <laughs> and then uh, the reason why this came about is because I had like I put together. I, I was blogging a lot on my previous blog, which I don't have anymore. So I consolidated that and put a lot of my blogs on relationships, and I put it in a book which if your audience is interested in, by all means, they can get in touch with me and I can send that audiobook is available on my website also. And I can, if you can't wait for that, by all means, send me and I can send that uh, the that ebook to you, which is on six principles to find your perfect partner and keep them for life. So that's that's my free ebook. I like the keeping part. I, <laughs> yes that's the that's the good good we're we'll waiting for it that's the harder work for me that's that's what i discuss in the book if you're interested i'll be sending it to you actually i have your email and i will be sending it to you and yes it wasn't expected and i thought i would be writing this much many many years down the line but it happened and i'm like okay fine why not and so i'm working with a book coach and so the topic is because my whole journey has been around self-love. This book is going to be around self-love. Probably there's seven steps to get to that place of self-love and then becoming that confident person that you want to be. A lot of those are covered in this conversation that we have had in this uh, this recording, this podcast. And yes, I will be touching these at a much, much deeper level of how you can practice self-love, how you can develop that identity of yours, how you can, you know, practice more self-acceptance because unless and until you accept, you cannot change. So there you go. The, that's like the foundation you build on. So self-love is very important, has been a big part of me. And so every person that wants to learn more about self-love can get your hands on that book. It will come probably out in later this year, November or December. I don't know yet. Yeah, we'll wait look out for it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. So Neha, before we go, I'd like to say, I mean, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. It's been just like, I mean, you, there's just so much wisdom like you've just given us on finding relationships, but you know, to put everything in concise is the main thing it has to, it all starts with ourselves. Basically it all starts with ourselves and learning to love ourselves and everything starts internally and without loving yourself, how would you attract someone else to love you? Cause you have to love yourself first so that you can attract that person into your life. And for us women that are looking for love, also you have to realize that in order to allow love in, you have to let a man be a man and, you know, or a partner be a partner. So you have to give a bit of leeway. And I really enjoy this conversation. I mean, and how Neha has used her journey of finding self-love to help touch the life of others and helping them develop their identity and finding self-love through acceptance of themselves. I'd like to say thank you very much for coming on Beauty and the Beat. And I, for one, and I'm sure the girls do, look forward to reading your book. And I'm going to post all her details. 
down there oh, most definitely. for you listening. It's going to be in the notes. You'll be able to get all Neha's contact details so you can contact her and get all your personal love and relationship advice. Thank you. Thank you, Neha. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.